On the publishing of a landmark book of Ansel Adams' Yosemite, featuring photographs never offered in book form, we spoke to Ansel's son, grandson, and darkroom assistant about the impact of his work and legacy. The special edition prints have been a a very significant offering of Best Studio in the Ansel Adams Gallery since 1958, and they've encompassed some of his finest photographs of, of Yosemite. Where does Mahisha Dellinger, founder and CEO of Curls, the multi-million dollar natural hair care line, go when she needs to recalibrate? I am in love um, with Turks and Pickles. It's like heaven for me. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of everything I love. Blue water, white sand, great food, um, peace, calm, the water, it's just serenity. Join us for a conversation with Ansel Adams' family and gain some success principles from Mahisha Dellinger, founder and CEO of Curls on World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. The photographs of Ansel Adams are among America's finest artistic treasures. Now, a landmark book containing a collection of photographs that Ansel selected before his death of his beloved Yosemite National Park has just been published for the first time in book form. Years ago, I wanted to to share with you guys, I took a weekend trip. This is a very, very long time ago when I lived in Southern California. I took a trip to Carmel and um, stayed in Big Sur, essentially. I stayed in a a little um, place called Tickle Peak. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so you know That's actually just up the road from Ansel's house. Yeah, well, when I when we walked in, you know, there's this great room, and I'm sure it's changed over the years, but there used to be a great room with a very grand fireplace, and there was this beautiful image hanging over the fireplace. And it was a photo, one of Ansel's photos, and that was my introduction to Ansel Adams. And I tell you, since then, that photo just captivated me, and I've been very obsessed with his work is his visual artistry. And so Ian and I are really, really happy to have you guys um, here with us to give us a glimpse into Ansel's life and his legacy. And, you know, as the three people who know him most, um, we're really honored to have you. And I just, for our audience sake, want to share who's here. Um, we have Dr. Michael Adams, Ansel's son, uh, Matthew Adams, um, Ansel's grandson and president of the Ansel Adams Gallery, and Alan Ross, an esteemed photographer in his own right, and Ansel's trusted darkroom assistant. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Pleasure. And gentlemen, welcome. Um, The three of you have released a collection of special edition prints of Ansel Adams' favorite subject, Yosemite National Park. Uh, Michael, first to you, uh, thank you for your service. What was it about Yosemite that captured your father's attention? Well, Ansel went up there at age 14 in 1916 uh, when he'd read about it in an 1880-something book and uh, talked his folks into going there for a summer vacation. He did. He fell in love with it and went back every year of his life. And he had the opportunity to work there and to live there. He was married there. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
anyway, he just uh, invested himself in Yosemite in all aspects and thrived with it. And uh, I, that's basically, he you know, fell in love with Yosemite and stayed around. And we have taken advantage of all the work he's done up there over the years. And Michael, you were born there, I understand. I was born there in 1933. Wow. And uh, I've lived there most of my life. Or if I wasn't living in California, I was at least visiting Yosemite frequently. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, what was it like growing up as uh, Ansel Adams' son? Well, I'm asked that almost every time I'm interviewed. And uh, at the time, obviously, I didn't think uh, much of it. I mean, it was nothing special. We didn't uh, do the things that my friends did. Ansel didn't go out and play baseball. But he uh, exposed me to a lot uh, in the photography world, which I didn't really take to, but also in Yosemite in the backcountry and in the wilderness. And he took me on trips with him and... uh, I had a wonderful time, and I thought I was very lucky, and even today, I I should say, and today, I feel very fortunate in having him as a father to show me and and go with me to these many places. You're, you're president of uh, the Ansel Adams Gallery, and I think there's a very interesting backstory to this historic gallery. Talk to us a little bit about that and the gallery's mission. The gallery was founded by um, Virginia Best Adams' father. So mm-hmm. we kind of joke uh, a little bit that Ansel married into the family. The business started as Best Studio in Yosemite in 1902, and then Ansel and Virginia were married in 1928. That's that's sort of the, uh, that's, that's the nuts and the bolts of the history. Matthew, do you think Ansel's focus on landscape was his attempt to preserve these images for future generations. Ansel, Ansel always said that he never made a photograph specifically for conservation purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, he made photographs as fine art to express his feelings. Now, his feelings, uh, I think, were very definite uh, conservation or environmental um, intent or not intent but motivation and inspiration individually i don't think he would agree with the statement that his um, his photographs were made for that intent how did the special edition book come about the ansel adams trust wanted uh, to uh, do a new book about uh, of ansel's photographs and particularly yosemite since that's uh, sort of the the core of uh people's knowledge of Ansel uh, in his environmental and his, uh, his beginnings is he's, he's uh, very closely tied to Yosemite. Um, and they, the feeling was that uh, the special edition prints have been a, uh, a very significant offering of Best Studio in the Ansel Adams Gallery since 1958. And they've encompassed some of his finest photographs of, of Yosemite. And they wanted to, they'd never all been reproduced in book form altogether ever before. So uh, I've been honored to be the exclusive printer of these these images now for going on 45 years. I started in the middle of 75, 1975, printing them. And uh, 
it's been my pleasure as I uh, left Ansel in 1979 to start my own advertising studio in San Francisco. Ansel liked the way I was making his prints and asked me if I'd continue uh, to make them instead of turning the job over to a new assistant. And so I wound up commuting down to Carmel from San Francisco for the, the next five years up from 79 to, to 84. And uh, it was just a, a real pleasure to work in Ansel's darkroom and make the prints. And, uh, you know, I'd always show prints to him uh, for his approval. As a matter of fact, I was down there a week or so, in Carmel a week or so before Ansel died, and I sent sample prints over to the hospital for him to look at and comment on. But uh, I think the trust wanted to wanted to really make a you know, uh, a really nice tribute to Ansel's offerings of these photographs because they've always been offered at a fraction of the cost of his fine prints, and that was the whole intent with Best Studio was instead of offering these photographs offering, you know, knickknacks and curios to the public. Uh, Ansel and Virginia felt very strongly about offering quality goods um, and so on. And this was a wonderful way of pe for people to take home uh, a photographic memento of Yosemite that in itself was a thing of beauty, not just a, a, a curious, curious uh, little bit of Chachka that they got it at a gift stop, gift shop someplace. So the, I'm really delighted to see all of these images in one place. Sure. Now I'm curious: Are uh, the images in the book? Do they also appear in the gallery? You, yes. Uh, the, yeah. I'll let Matt answer that one. Okay. Yes, we have uh, um, not not all of the SCPs uh, that were ever produced. Um, you know the the image selection has changed over the years, but we do have um, uh, 26 uh, currently up, um, uh, visible and available in the gallery, along with uh, a number of Adams originals and some of the and some other photographers that we represent. Including We're also Alan. reintroducing a couple of uh, of images that have been part of the set and they've just been kind of you know left asleep for a couple of years and it's a real pleasure to bring some of these uh, a handful of these back i think we're bringing four or five images back mm. which would be really great indeed yes and indeed and mike you were you were getting ready to say something well i was going to say that the selection was of basic photographs of yosemite and, and the ones that he felt strongly about as some of his best and representative of what he was trying to do in Yosemite. Mm -hmm. So we, there's many pictures of Half Dome, but the ones that he selected as special edition are really super spectacular. Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of his decision is the ones that he liked, the ones that he felt strongly about are the ones that ended up as special edition. I yeah, see. and Moon and Half Dome uh, particularly is is the star of the show, as as it were. Uh, it's a wonderful wonderful photograph. It, it's the most popular of all of the images. But he made that two years after he'd started the special edition series. The special editions were uh, were started in 1958, and he made uh, Moon and Half Dome uh, in December of 1960. Wow, I didn't realize that they were made actually. Uh, the selections were made before his his passing. 
Yes, that's that. That was a family family uh, offering from Best Studios. It wasn't didn't become uh, DBA, the Ansel Adams Gallery, until the early 1970s. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a way of offering uh, a quality piece of photography as a memento to a, someone's visit to Yosemite. Well, I want to ask um, everyone, is starting with Matt this time. Um, you know, visual images speak to people. And what do you guys want the images in this um, special edition book on Yosemite to say to people who, who open the pages? Matt? Uh, two things. One is how um, spectacular Yosemite is. And uh, number two, to, to look at the images and uh, really see what fine art uh, those images themselves are. Mm-hmm. Mike, any, any words? Well, yeah, if, uh, regarding this book, it's based around the special edition, but uh, that's just part of it. There are, the book is full of some wonderful images of Yosemite Absolutely. in many of its areas, and uh, any one of them could potentially be a special edition if, if we could change things today. But we have a group, and, we, and this book demonstrates that, and it also demonstrates some wonderful images of Yosemite from other locations, not Absolutely. just special edition. So... I'm going to ask you a loaded question because I I get asked a similar question as a travel journalist. Um, Do you have a a favorite image or a special image that speaks to you? And we'll start with you, Alan. Uh, Of of Yosemite photographs, I think probably I have to say it was probably Ansel's favorite as well, and that would be Monolith, the face of Half Dome. Um, he made that 1927, and it was a, a phototechnical turning point for him. It was the first time where he envisioned uh, a final image that was greatly at, at great variance from uh, conventional photo technique at the time and, and presentation, and uh, it, it meant an awful lot to him. Mm. Mike? Well, I have to say that uh, the Moon and Half Dome is my special one. It, it was special for us. It was taken in 1960 with a Hasselblad, a two and a quarter, two and a quarter. And when my wife and I were looking for a photograph to use as an invitation to our wedding, this is the one that Ansel showed us and that we selected. And we've fallen in love with it, obviously. So we have a, we have a sensitivity to Moon and Half Dome that, Special. Understood. <laughs> and Matt, the same for you, or do you have a, a, a different uh, photo that is I'm, very special? I am. I. I would say that I'm. I'm relatively moody, and so uh, my moods change, and so does my favorite. Matt, I. You know, in addition to your work with the the gallery, how did your grandfather influence your life's journey? Well, I think um, growing up around uh, Ansel's work, um, uh, you know, con- just being imbued with with the work, you definitely pick up the um, the emotions and the attitudes behind it. And so I'm 
uh, I would consider myself very um, environmentally conscious, and I think um, yeah, I think that that is um, that cannot be separated from uh, from growing up around uh, all of Ansel's work. A link to the photo book Ansel Adams Yosemite, the special edition prints, can be found on this show page at worldfootprints.com. You're listening to the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world one story at a time. We invite you to travel deeper by visiting our website, worldfootprints.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter and receive a special gift. Mahisha Dillinger grew up in the Sacramento projects, but this CEO and founder of Curls, a family of organic hair care products for natural textures, earned a show on OWN, Oprah Winfrey's network, and a view from the penthouse. Mahisha, how did you go from an impoverished environment where crime was rampant and most people around you were stuck in helplessness to moving with determination and hope to write a different narrative for yourself? Well, my determination and my desire and hope for a world better for myself and my children um, really came out of a result of my background. It was one that I didn't want to repeat. And so it gave me the determination, the sheer grit and perseverance to make a different life. And it, so it actually helped propel me into my life because it gave me um, a strong uh, desire to shift. And once you put your mind and get your mindset on something, at least for me, I, I, I make it happen. And so it really was a motivating factor for me. So as you grew your business, what were the conversations you had with yourself to keep moving forward? Hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if I ever stopped to analyze, communicate with myself or, or consider what the other choices were. It just was that when my back was against the wall, let me figure out another option. And I went full steam ahead. I, I, I don't think I even, I know that I'd even, I didn't even quantify um, how much of an impact it would have on my life or how much work it was going to take, if I can even do it. I didn't think about it. I just did it. And I moved forward because I, to me, there was no other choice. You're a successful entrepreneur today. What sorts of hurdles did you have to overcome in growing your business? Um, I had to, um, I had to really the biggest thing and the piece that's important for to be successful is having, being self-assured, having confidence, um, and, and really believing in yourself and what you're doing. So I had to shift my mindset and, and, and remove that self doubt that was prevalent just because I didn't have any experience or any mentors and just had to really go forward. So it was really changing my mindset. I think that's the biggest thing for almost anything you do is really your mindset how you what you believe and how you believe can determine how far you go now what made it possible for you to move past kind of the nattering nabobs of negativism and the negative voices the criticism or just feeling that you didn't be belong there at that point 
You know, I don't, I don't even recall having that at the early stage. I think a lot of the criticism or hate came after the success, but during the rise and as I developed my brand, um, you know, I, I had a lot of support. I had a lot of uh, people in my corner, but once success happens um, and happened for me, that's when a lot of the hate came. And that's true. I mean, I've, I was just reading someone on Facebook. Someone said, people love success, but they hate when someone else is successful. And that rang true for me. Because once it became a, a real deal business and one that was booming, I saw jealousy and envy, even within my family. So it's just kind of human nature, that green envy, jealousy spirit that definitely runs around, but especially around people who are disenfranchised, who don't have, and they see someone that has risen, it can either motivate you or make you become envious. So I saw that much later on. I truly believe, um, you know, you've, you've had um, a great deal of success, a television show on OWN, and I truly believe that when you step out on faith and lean into your dreams despite the negative voices, that other things will follow. And what has followed mm, for you yeah. is your show. Um, on on Oprah's network, own. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. A, she's a holy grail for those of us in, in the media. <laughs> so right, percent. Yeah. <laughs> what was that chapter like for you? What has this been like for you moving into now television host and uh, host of your your own show? Uh, that was an extremely uh, difficult time in the sense that I was away from my family. Um, it, it took five days. to to record one episode, so there are eight episodes, so you count the weeks being away. I have a family of well, four children, so six of us. That was really hard. And then going back and forth, you know, taping in LA, but living in Dallas, and then after we finished the main taping, then going back for pickups and edits and all kinds of stuff, it was uh, taxing on me because not only did I still have my family at home, my business, but I was also full-time recording and helping other people. So it was a sacrifice and a labor of love, but it was definitely rewarding after we saw and experienced success from the ladies on the show. But in the midst of it, it was really taxing. Mm -hmm. Speaking of success, when did you know that your dream of success would be realized? You know, that's a great question. I don't know, and I'm, 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 never the, I'm not the type that stops to smell the roses, just not my personality. So I never because I've been asked this before, stopping and went, oh, there it is, I'm successful. Oh, I made it. Like, it's always something else to achieve, and I'm always going for more and more um, growth. So I don't, I can't recall when I ever said, okay, I'm there, because I don't know if you ever, you know, reach there, if there's a there, you know, it's kind of something that you continue to grow, and I, and I haven't even thought about it. Like, it's just always moving forward. Keep it moving, propel forward, keep evolving, keep growing. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that we love and uh, and we meaning is very all inclusive um, travel. And I know hmm. another, <laughs> another thing that follows success is travel in maybe very unique travel or different type of travel than you may have experienced or we experience when we're um, not as successful. Right. right. So where have you traveled to and 
do you have a, a, a favorable or a memorable travel experience that really just showed you something different, even, you know, about yourself or the world? I, I don't know if I have experienced uh, something that made me see a different view on life or the world, but I do have a favorite destination. I, I'm extremely addicted to Turks and Caicos. I am in love um, with Turks and Caicos. It's like heaven for me. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of everything I love, blue water, white sand, great food, um, peace, calm, the water. It's just serenity. And it, it's just so, uh, for me, restorative for my peace. Um, and so that's my place to go. I kind of have been repeating. <laughs> my, my family prefers to go one and done, go somewhere and then move on. Um, but I fell in love with trucks. So I'm continuing going back and finding a reason to get back there. So that's my place that I found that gives me peace, serenity, calm, you know, and joy. Mm-hmm. Now, through the success and the travel, what have you learned about yourself uh, as an entrepreneur, as, as a mom, as a, as a uh, broadcaster, uh, show host? What have you learned? Hmm. Through my travels? Yes, your travels through. through my travels, yeah. Well, I do. I found, um, and I realized that I that having a place to go to retreat is important for my sanity, um, and that's what I seek in travel. I don't seek adventure when I travel. I don't seek um, do a lot of sightseeing. I really seek solitude um, and calmness. I like to, you know, isolate myself to some degree. Just relax and decompress because every other day in my life is so busy. So I like to not think when I'm on vacation. So I've learned that that's my way of getting my inner peace. That's my form of self-care. I think that's the best form of self-care. <laughs> um, just, you know, just yeah. that time with self, touching base with self uh, is very healthy and it's, it's critical. When I feel stuck, I travel and that allows me and, and gives my mind a respite enough to kind of recalibrate. So um, for anyone listening who may feel stuck, what would you advise them to do to keep moving forward and continue to show up in the world? Mm, yeah, that happens quite a bit, especially if you find that in your journey of entrepreneurship that you have any amount of failure, even if it's just a remote amount, that you can find yourself stuck and unmotivated. So in the midst of that, I say get out of out of your comfort zone and go give yourself to someone else and help mentor someone else. That's a great way to get yourself out and motivate yourself because then you'll see, okay, I'm able to be a blessing to someone else. I found the best way to get over and out pull yourself out of anything you have that's holding you back and making you feel stuck just by lending yourself to others because then you are being a blessing to someone else and that can help up with you. You can learn more about Mahisha Dellinger's rise from the projects to the penthouse in her book Against All Odds. We have a link to her book on this show page at worldfootprints.com. Ansel Adams is a photographer that really inspired me 
to take up photography. I fell in love with his work. I saw the power of his images and just the beauty and it really spoke to me. Do you remember your first time when you saw Ansel Adams work? I can't say that I do, but I will say I was uh, inspired by the story shared by those uh, who were closest to him, particularly how the photographs themselves really helped to preserve nature in a way by capturing these images and just reminding us how beautiful and how important they are in our lives. He certainly inspires us to protect these natural treasures that we see. And Mahisha's story spoke to me personally because there's no excuse for me or anyone else. You know, uh, she grew up very disadvantaged, um, but through perseverance and just um, strong resiliency, she became very successful and even got her own television show. And um, I think between, you know, her story and Ansel's story, it really does show you that success doesn't just find you. You have to go out and get it. Indeed, and just don't be a quitter uh, with whatever you do. And believe. Believe in yourself. We are so honored that you let us into your home, and we hope you'll invite your family and friends to join us on these journeys. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we thank you for allowing us to connect you to the world, one story at a time, on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.